The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There are entrepreneurs that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They are creating businesses that really add value to others, and so can you. Welcome to Be More, Achieve More, inspiration for the entrepreneurial mind with Chris Cooper. If you're looking for ways to develop your entrepreneurial spirit while you contribute to a better world, you'll want to stay tuned for the next hour. Now, here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi there, this is Chris Cooper of BeMoreAchieveMore.com and the host of the Achiever Program, which is a leading learner program for um, small business owners and entrepreneurs who are wanting to develop themselves to achieve even more. Um, so welcome to today's show, and I want to say a big thank you to my guest last week, Chris White, uh, formerly of Dire Straits. Uh, it was a real dream come true, actually, to be interviewing him, and I was also really delighted to receive some great feedback on it. And I received a note from a successful TV journalist who said, it's so unusual to hear someone like him talking so candidly and without any hidden agenda. You're so lucky and so are your interviewees to have such a long time on air as it means you can extract some real gems, some of which a print journalist would class as exclusive. So thank you very much, Mary, for sending that in. I really appreciate it. And if you have any feedback on any of the shows, please do write to me at uh, chris at bemoreachievemore.com. I'd love to hear from you. Now, if I'm sounding a little bit excitable today, it's because I've been um, to several really great conferences this week. And one I actually shared, I was asked to share about hosting, how to really effectively host an audio and a radio show. And um, I was surprised when I worked out that this is actually show number 52. So I guess um, we have amassed up quite a bit of experience in doing it. Uh, I'm also excited because I'm planning a meeting of my Achiever program group on Monday. We're talking about, you know, developing exceptional businesses and I'm just so proud of the progress they're making. So if you're not achieving enough from yourself or your business, then do email chris at bemoreachievemore.com. I'm really happy to arrange a, a free one-to-one Skype call with you to advise you on whether or how I can help you. And I'll be completely honest with that and aim to give you some direction and value in that call as well. So um, I do recognize that sending an email to someone like me and connecting requires confidence. And um, I think confidence is just so important. So hopefully this show will help. And if you want to achieve really great things, you have to be able to access confidence whenever you need it to take action. And according to my guest today, Sean Brickell, 77% of us believe that co- confidence is the main component of success. And this is why it's such an important topic on this show. And I'm really happy to keep revisiting it because without that confidence, we just don't get more of what we want. And, and actually, we may be um, and not giving the value to the world that we're capable of. So we're, we're doing other people an injustice as well. Confidence can literally, therefore, make the difference between us realizing our potential or not. However, even the most confident people all have low points. So being able to deal with those confidently, too, is critical. 
Sean Bacall is an award-winning entrepreneur. He's a speaker, a trainer, and he's author of uh, an acclaimed book called Don't Shoot, I'm Not Well, uh, Confidence for When You Really Need It. And I think he probably explained the short, the Don't Shoot bit a little bit later. Now, he applies from his experience psychological techniques, uh, some of them used in war zones, undercover work, and successful businesses to improve your confidence and your communication and your personal impact skills, enable you to make a profitable difference to you and your business. Now, he really is in demand. He's got a really impressive international client list. He is an award-winning journalist, a broadcaster. He's been a network TV newsreader, and he's the youngest ever network TV news correspondent, or he was when he was age 21. Uh, he's been an undercover investigative journalist for national newspapers, He's exposed multi-million pound frauds and even infiltrated a swingers orgy group. Um, if, if you're below the age of 18, maybe cover your ears at the moment. <laughs> He's been held at gunpoint. He's met and interviewed world leaders, film stars and some of the world's most bizarre, beastly and beguiling people. And he really helps these people apply these skills to uh, a benefit of their personal and professional life. So Sean Brickell, it's delight to have you on the show. Chris, thank you very much. A fantastic introduction. Thank you. Very welcome. Now, I know listening to your introduction there, I imagine there's probably one or two people who are kind of focused in on a, on, on a, a little bit of that. Um, Sean, um, how, how much did you infiltrate a swingers orgy group? I'm glad we're getting down to the dirty, nitty gritty, Chris. Um, I was undercover assignment for a once uh, famous newspaper called News of the World, or no, as it's known in the trade, News of the Screws for very obvious reasons. And it was considered a great honor if you were asked to actually do an undercover infiltration and um, any undercover work. And so I took it as a huge compliment and they, it was all very hush-hush. And they called me and I remember on the Saturday afternoon, they said, we have an interesting assignment uh, for you. We think you could be uh, just the man. I thought, well, that's very kind. What is it? Anyway, they introduced me to this six-foot um, uh, curly-haired blonde woman who wasn't a professional journalist, who had the contacts, who was going to be my partner, in inverted commas, uh, my undercover partner. And um, and so awfully we, we went off, we were dispatched to go and infiltrate this swingers wife-swapping orgy at a place in Kent, um, rejoicing in the name of the Eureka Club near Forkham, a place I've never been to uh, since, but um, for geographical and other reasons. But uh, and what we had to do was a most surreal experience, I've got to say, Chris, because we weren't trained. You know, that, that's the thing. A lot of my journalistic career, where I've been held at gunpoint, interviewed presidents, prime ministers, film stars, some of the world's most dangerous and unpleasant people. You're not trained to, or you're being in a riot. You're not trained to deal with it. I mean, you're more trained now how to deal with a riot, how to be in a war zone. But often then you weren't. You live off your instinct, which I've always enjoyed because I've been fascinated by people from a young age. But... So off we went. We went to this, we were ensconced in this family hotel and all these kids and families around us going, oh, daddy, mummy, you know, can we go to a circus tomorrow? Can we do this? Well, that was a good fun, you know, in the paddling pool. We're going, right. Do you like spanking? Uh, S&M? Um, you know, do you like threesomes, foursomes, uh, pain, pleasure, uh, nipple clamps? You know, the full works. We had to get our cover story right, our false legend. So if they try to test us out, then, you know, we wouldn't make any slips. Anyway, we, we, I was a photocopy salesman from Worcester called Stee. Uh, I used to sell photocopiers after I left school, one of the many jobs I did. So, um, and we worked at what we were into and what we weren't. Um, we had a bit of fun and made it quite exciting. I don't know half the Latin terms of the stuff we, we, we claimed we were, gonna, we were into, but 
Um, anyway, off we went to uh, this place, uh, and we parked the car on purpose uh, with the doors open. So if we need to get a, make, get a quick getaway, then we could and make sure it was pointing in the right direction and near the exit. Um, and I should add, beforehand, we'd been told by the news editor, said, after we said, yes, we'll do it, because I thought it was a whole new life experience. Um, they said the couple who went before, were, were, their cover was unmasked and they were badly beaten up. I said, well, that's great. They said, well, you're a big lad. You know, I'm six foot two and now I'm 15 stone. They said, right, um, you can be the muscle as well as the professional journalist. I said, what do you mean the muscle? And they explained why I'm going to have to fight my way out for all these naked um, uh, and potentially angry people who don't want to be exposed, well, at least not in the media, if not physically. And uh, it was all a bit surreal. So we walk in. I mean, the first thing I saw was a, was a couple grappling with each other. Let's put it like that, grappling uh, in a very biblical way. Um, and, uh, I remember he groaned and this is like a walrus-like man with a mustache to match. Um, so once he'd finished his very short bit of uh, fervent business, rolled over and fell into the swimming pool <laughs> and did a peroxide blonde, you know, looked utterly bored and fed up as if, oh, it's another one ticked off, lit a cigarette and lay back and yawned. And I thought, well, this doesn't bode well. Anyway, they were the only two outside. We walked into this room, and obviously on the surface, you yeah, whatever, you know, you're really cool and trying to put on an act, and I'd rehearsed it in my mind how I'd be. Underneath, you're going, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm seeing some of this stuff, you know, because they were in full swing, as it were. And I saw things there that obviously I hadn't really seen, even at some of the parties I've been at, you know, so obviously I've been missing out. Um, and, and some of the sites were, were, I think, physically very impressive. I mean, it was, it was gymnastic in some cases, but <laughs> in others it was... Um, more prosaic um, and uh, enough to, to make you feel a little queasy um, as you worked out exactly what was being done where. Um, anyway, we walked in and sort of getting to know people. And then at one point, um, I'll never forget this. Um, this girl had done quite a few of these assignments and she was quite a sassy streetwise uh, woman or girl. I mean, I was, what, 20 in my early 20s then. She was probably the same age. Um, anyway, this guy came up to us, one of the organizers, standing there stark naked. Um, and he said, uh, I, I've seen you before. In fact, there's some rumors going around. You're a, you're a journalist. And obviously it's the worst thing anybody can say to you in that scenario. Now, rather than going, yeah, sure. Do you want to see my notebook? Yeah. What do you know? I'm, I work for Ostrich News. I'll make a joke about it. And, and basically calling their bluff. She got very defensive. And I just looked at his face and I knew we were screwed. Sorry, that's the wrong word. We were done for. And um, anyway, she got more defensive as he became even more suspicious and in effect had his suspicions confirmed. He gave a little nod to some people to um, behind this girl about 20 meters away. There's three big blokes start naked as well, who were basically obviously some of the more heavy people who he would get to eject people or do whatever they were going to do. And um, she was trying to recover the situation by getting very indignant. And it was just making our situation worse. And I was saying, look, we've got our, you know, our membership stuff in the car. I can show you, you know, the letters and everything you need. You know, look, it's fine. You know, there's no issue. And it was, but it was too late. And um, anyway, <laughs> I thought I'm going to have to fight my way out with three naked men. This is really most undignified. It's the first for me. Um, anyway, this girl wouldn't move. All six foot of her wouldn't move. So I had to get her, she'd grip her by a pressure point in her elbow. Uh, at that point, she stopped talking. She was, found it uncomfortable to put it politely. And I had to physically drag her out of the way. And we ran. And obviously these men, um, 
you know, for the naked things flopping about. They couldn't run quite as fast or at least as effectively as I could uh, or she could. And we just legged it <laughs> and, um, before we could get uh, too many gory details about vicars, bishops, members of the cabinet um, or even the Vatican who were on an away day. Yeah. And, um, and off we went. But it, it was uh, it was an interesting assignment. But what it, what it showed was that you naturalness. Uh, and this is one thing I've realized so much, particularly in business where people aren't often themselves and because they feel they can't be for their own misconception about how others think they should be. And she wasn't natural, wasn't relaxed, wasn't congruent, wasn't confident enough to joke, to be daring, to... Uh, and that's what did for us. And it could have got very nasty and I wasn't going to hang around to find out what unpleasant things they had in store. Um and often the way you are with people, the naturalness you have is key. It's a key part of confidence because people are drawn to those who are natural, who are authentic, who are congruent. And yet naturalness is one of our most um, most powerful, productive and profitable natural qualities that we have in our personality armory. And yet, by the same token, is one of the most unrealized and underused. I mean, you make a uh, you make a you know, really good point there. I think uh, when, when you're. People are presenting, for example, in a, an organization. It's a presentation. It's kind of a bit of an act. But the reality is to really engage with people. And I think it's the same with you know, radio show interviews. It needs to feel like it's a conversation, doesn't it? It needs to feel natural. Um, so, so I guess then with, uh, you know, when it comes down to confidence and in that situation that you described, you know, that's going to be one of the key, key components, isn't it, to just re- to be able to remain natural. It is, but do you know what you said that you, sometimes you have to put on performance and not necessarily be yourself, or some people might think they shouldn't be. Well, do you know in a corporate environment when people are yeah, but do you know what in a corporate environment they need to be, unless they okay. they have a Caligula, um, Caligula esque type personality and are generally naturally repugnant, in which case they shouldn't be <laughs> let anywhere near uh, certainly parental uh, prospects or clients or even internal people. Um, but actually, the more natural you are, because often in in a work environment, people feel under pressure. They've got a pressure to perform, pressure to pressure to be profitable, to produce results, to produce fancy graphs and everything else. They think there's a format. And what happens is they're constrained by the um, often very conservative and I think therefore counterproductive approach or ethos of a company or a business. You mustn't be too rangy. You mustn't be too expressive. Some media companies are more zany uh, dot-com companies. Yeah, they present very differently, but they're very rare. And I've I've worked in a lot of big companies, and so often you go and you see the presentations they do. They do death by PowerPoint. You know, you have like a million bullet points per slide, and it's dull, it's colourless, it's charmless, and is actually counterproductive and work and achieves the very thing they don't want to. You know, people are suddenly overcome by a, a sudden burst of indifference when they hear other people speak. They don't get the message across, and things fail. But you have somebody with energy who's natural, who's positive, who's not afraid to be different. And a key part of confidence, as in life generally, is daring a little to be colourful, to be creative, to be charismatic, to be charming. And sometimes even a little daring in your life can pay you huge dividends. But when it comes to corporate environments, people don't dare because they're afraid of losing their job, afraid of looking silly. Uh, they're afraid of peer pressure. Um, and you get these homogenized lumps of uh, groups of people in certainly big corporates who aren't themselves and feel they can't be for fear of stepping out of line. And what happens, it's all very samey. Sure. And so many presentations like that. Yeah, we need, we need to go to commercial break now, but after the break, we'll, uh, 
we'll look at a bit more of the, the key components of confidence. So we'll be back with you again in a couple of minutes. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you a business innovator or are you just sitting on the sidelines? Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We spend 70% of our week in the office. What is the difference between enjoying your job and enduring it? The number one motivator is a positive work environment. And that's where Real Recognition Radio comes in. Join your hosts, Roy Saunderson and S. Max Brown, as they take a look at the positive factors of the workplace, such as employee rewards, recognition, incentives, and much more. Tune in to Real Recognition Radio, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper of BeMoreAchieveMore.com and the, the, uh, the host and facilitator of the Achiever program, uh, which is a, a leading learning group for um, entrepreneurs and small business owners. So I'm back with Sean Brickell and we were, we were talking about some fascinating X-rated uh, material from his Swingers Orgy group and we started to move across into uh, the, the key components of, of confidence. I wonder, uh, Sean, from, from your perspective now, what are the key components of confidence? Well, there are various. First of all, you've got to have some sort of plan, what you want to achieve. Remember, he talks about having goals and a plan, and actually promises. What do you, pro- you can have a goal, but a goal can be very meaningless and without emotion. But what do you promise yourself that you want to achieve, personally or professionally? It needn't be super significant. It could be very simple, but that simple thing you want to achieve could really transform your life and make it that much more rewarding, much more fulfilling, and therefore more successful. Persistence is key. As in accepting, accepting yourself. Uh, whether you're presenting, whether you're asking someone out for a date or whatever you're doing, acceptance is a key thing. Belief, believing in yourself um, and therefore not being afraid to dare. Resilience is a key aspect of confidence. Being able to deal with um, some things and knockbacks you invariably have. Determination is also another element as well, just persevering. Uh, and I've talked to various people from my book on confidence, those who are not well, like uh, Sir Ronald Fiennes, a former commander of the uh, 3rd Battalion Parachute Regiment is out in Afghanistan, and they talk a lot. And certainly Sir Ranulph Fiennes, the world's greatest explorer, talks about uh, determination in, uh, very honestly, and his story is, is a perfect example of it. But you know what? The two most important elements of confidence are these, courage and action, namely having the courage to take the action to achieve the things you need and want to. And do, I mean, just interesting. Do, do you think is this a learned skill, 
uh, or is it something that we're, we're born with? Well, that's an interesting. There's research that was done in the States, invariably is done in the States, where uh, they found that um, 40% of who you are as a per- who we are as a person, you are as a person, is down to your uh, genetics. 10% is down to circumstance, like education, family, income, job, etc., etc. And the rest is down to you. What you decide to do with your life, how you deal with the good, beautiful, beastly and bizarre experiences you will have and the challenges you will have. So I think that um, that's something that, uh, that that has an effect on us. So we have half the person we are is down to is down to us. And so confidence is, first of all, neither absolute nor final. Um, it is a state of mind, it is achievable, and it is variable, depending on situation and task. So, but you're not going to get anywhere or develop your confidence unless you have a go at things. And then people say, well, okay, well, look, I've had a go and it's gone horribly wrong. I asked this woman out on the date and she slapped me. Well, maybe something you said or even something you were wearing or both. Um, uh, it may be the case that I went for this job, I haven't got a job, I've gone for 10 jobs, you know, and, and haven't got any of them. Or um, I can't seem to persuade people to buy into me and or my business. Um, you know, and I, I haven't had much success over the last three months or six months. Or I'm not getting the sales I want. I'm not inspiring the people I need to. I don't have the confidence to fire somebody or have that difficult but necessary conversation. You know, because it's all gone horribly wrong. And last time I tried to tell somebody they weren't doing very well, they stapled me to the office desk. You know, <laughs> and... um but therefore, you will have you know, life is an imperfect form. It can be wonderful, but uh, by the same token, it, it's you're going to have setbacks. But of course, you tend to focus on a setback and see one setback is equivalent of twenty successes. It's the way our minds work. So you've got to try and persevere to the point where you actually get to a more natural tolerance level, where your attitude line, your natural attitude line, actually becomes stronger and stronger. It, it rises and rises by. One, the good experiences, because that will boost your confidence and your belief in yourself, but also by the way you react and you choose to react to some of the negative experiences and setbacks that you will have. And we can all think of times when things have gone wrong, personally and or professionally, and yet we've still come back to persevere. And particularly if you run your own business or in business at all, but particularly if you run your own business, you will have had some shocking moments, some what I call head-in-my-hands moments, where you think, okay, I'm screwed. This is going really wrong. But what keeps you going? Do you have an end goal? Do you have a vision? And you want, you're an entrepreneur in particular, or in business because you're not a typical person, because you want to dare a little to achieve great things. You know, I think you make some wonderfully articulated there, and I think you, you know, there is a the, the belief component and there is this courage to take the action. But I think, you know, what you're saying there, which really resonates and, and is, a, I guess, a key character trait of very successful entrepreneurial people is that, uh, OK, you take that action in the first instance, it might not get you what you want. But the, the requirement is to keep on being determined and, and resilient and uh, take taking further action and not being. Uh, not losing your self-confidence from it, maybe not quite working out how you're expected in the first instance. Indeed. And I'll, I'll tell you something, Chris. Let me ask you a question. And, and everyone who's listening, you know, if if you and or your business, something about you or what you offered was rejected or failed once, yeah, we feel a bit upset. If the same happened 10 times, how would you feel? You know, your confidence would begin to be knocked. You'd be doubt, you'd begin to doubt yourself. 
But, you know, and then let me ask you this. What happens if something about you and or your business uh, was rejected or failed a hundred times? How many people would actually keep on going? Probably not many. What happens if it's a thousand times? At this point, how many people would put up with that? And yet often we limit the uh, capacity we have for endurance, for emotional, mental, physical as well, endurance, and particularly in business, particularly if you run your own business, and particularly during tough economic times. And we are much more capable than we realize. We have greater endurance, greater resilience, greater determination, and are more able to persist than we realize or even sometimes allow ourselves to realize. And one great example of this is someone who failed 5,127 times over 15 years. That's a lot of failures. And that's a long time to fail over. He's now a billionaire. And that person is Sir James Dyson, who I also interviewed for my book. And you know what he said? He said that when he finally got it right, it was fantastic. But his wife, who I think was an art supply teacher, she kind of kept the boat, uh, the financial boat afloat to start off with. You know, they had a mortgage to pay, bills to pay. They had a young family. And the pressures were huge. As you can imagine, the personal, professional, financial, marital pressures were huge. And yet he believed in himself all the time. He, he said rather than seeing fear as a barrier, he saw it as a journey. And he learned not to be, to, to be afraid of, uh, of, uh, of failure, but actually to embrace it. To think, okay, what went wrong with that prototype? What can I do? Rather than going back to the drawing board and starting from scratch, what he did was just make little improvements, little incremental improvements. And often I think what happens, we see a vision of, and it's good, particularly if you have your own business, you have a vision of how you would like your business and your life to be, because they're very much integrated. And, and on a dreek, as they say in Scotland, a miserable, wet, rainy morning where the bills are coming in ad infinitum and there's no money coming in to actually deal with the bills, or you just may have had a bad day, a bad weekend, you feel under pressure, you think, what the hell am I doing? And we've all had those times and feelings. And you look at that vision, that glittery, sparkly, uh, pulsating vision of how we want our life to be personally and or professionally. We think it's unattainable. It's even more unattainable from where I sit right now in this rather dismal, negative, even depressing situation. It is too much and it can be overwhelming. But then you turn it the other way around. I think it's good to have a vision to look ahead. Yes, but not to the point where it overwhelms you. But then if you look back to if you, one year, five years, however long it is, even a matter of months, even weeks, and you look back to the person you were and the way your business was then, in terms of your marketing materials, the way you spoke about it, in terms of the clarity of your vision and the way you uh, pursued whatever it was you needed to, to achieve what you want to, and you compare how much you've improved, even if it's a small part, even a small part, how much you've improved, it shows you are making progress. And that's exactly what Sir James Dyson did to overcome 5,127 failures over 15 years before he made it big and very, very big, as we all know. Tessa, I, I was talking with somebody in one of my previous shows about the importance of just trying to improve your business 1% every day, because if you improve your business 1% um, every day after 100 days, it's uh, it's 100% improved. Um, yeah. And it's a, it's a simple, small increment. But what can you do each day that will just take you that little step forward? Um, 
each day. So I think we've only probably got um, uh, two or three minutes left until we get a commercial break. But I saw you. I watched a video of you on a TV show called The Vanessa Show mm-hmm. UK, and you talked about uh, the confidence inventory. Um, actually, we're just being. I'm just getting a signal to say break when you're ready. So maybe after the break, we'll we'll come back and we'll talk about the confidence inventory because I know people on that show found that very useful. So we'll be back again in just a couple of minutes. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. How can we Americans realize our dreams to earn a living? How can you pursue your dream and make money as an owner or an employee? Learn how at The American Business Person, the online weekly radio talk show hosted by Rich Killian. Today's business leaders share how to succeed and what fails. If you own a new or established business or ever hope to, you must tune in. Join us every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Central, and noon Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Or listen on demand to our archived shows. Zoom Leadership. It's the big picture issues of the day, up close and personal capabilities of leadership, and a desirable future of constant renewal. Zoom Leadership. It's the economic crisis made clear, patterns and perspectives of leadership, and the importance of changing the way we pursue our future. Join host John Schmidt every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time. Zoom Leadership. An inside look at what's really going on in business, government, and civil society. Tune in every week on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper, BeMoreAchievemore.com. I'm delighted to be with Sean Brickell. We're talking about uh, about confidence when you really need it. And I mentioned just before the break that I'd seen Sean on a TV show called The Vanessa Show. There was live, live phone-ins and things like that going on. And he, he shared something called a confidence inventory. And I just thought it might be useful if he shared that with us now. Uh, some of you might find that helpful. So, so Sean, what is the confidence inventory? Well, it's confidence inventory or, or um, inspiring inventory. It's something very simple. And I believe in keeping things simple, easily accessible, easily applicable, therefore making them more easily achievable. The inspiring inventory is this. Basically, you, and it's a good exercise, and you can go back to it as well and revisit it um, and to perfect it, to add to it. You write, you get a bit of paper, or you split your screen into two if you're doing a computer, and in the left-hand column, you write down all the qualities that you have. Now, it might be the fact that you're... Uh, desperately handsome, almost as as good looking as you, Chris. Um, it might be the fact that you're very funny, you're very perceptive, um, you're very sporty, um, you're very insightful, um, you're very witty, you're um, um, you're a great cook, you're um, a fantastic parent, um, you know, you're an agony art people love talking to. And then on the other column, write down all the successes you've had, personal, professional. So it might be the fact that you know you. And it's good to look back throughout your life that you were 
you know, you um, were a Wellington boot throwing champion. You um, won this award, that award. You got the first job you went for, how you doubled your income in this process of five years because of what you did with your business or because of the way you were in your company when you worked for somebody else. There are so many things. And this is a chance to be wonderfully immodest, but also honest with yourself because often we... We really beat ourselves up and we, most people in sanity run their own business, drive themselves, we drive ourselves really hard because we want to achieve great things. And being average or even good is not good enough. We have to be excellent or the best. And we put huge pressure on ourselves. And you look at this list and luxuriate it, take your time to write it, to add to it as the days, weeks, months and years go by. Carry it around with you. Have it on your desktop so you can open it every day. Look at, God, I've done all that. And it's all part also what I call sort of the nourishment process as well. And often it's good to do these things. And it's how you nourish yourself on a daily and certainly a weekly basis. And I've got to say, we guys are not always very good at that. Because we have to be manly and, you know, and take disappointment on the chin and not show emotion. I know it can be a bit British, um, but or at least the perception of being British. But we don't nourish ourselves enough. And on a daily basis, some very simple things. And, you know, for instance, you could look back for emails or cards or letters or exchanges of some kind from, say, previous clients who said, you know what? What you did was brilliant, high value, great return on investment. And you know what? Dealing with you and your team was awesome. We can't wait to do business with you again. Look at those notes. Nourish yourself on a daily basis. There are a variety of techniques you can use along those lines. But that's that's a very good one. And there's various things you can do. Uh, on the nourishment front as well to add to that. I imagine, how, how good would you feel, you know, if you did create this big, this file, which is going to get quite large over a period of time? It must be, you know, amazing looking, looking through it really, because you could put photos in it and all sorts of things, but anything that's going to program your mind and just help you realize that, uh, that there's absolutely no reason why you shouldn't be full of confidence. Yeah. I mean, Chris, we, I remember we, we talked you know, before the show and you wrote a list of things you want to achieve. Um, by a certain age. And when you look back, you must think, God, I achieved those things. Everything apart from, I think, the, uh, the type of cat you wanted. It's I think. Dog. It's the dog. Which obviously is a huge downer. And <laughs> of all the things that could go wrong, it had to be the wrong dog. I can't believe it. Um, but when you look back and you look, I remember you talking about it and how did you feel when you were talking to me about the things you'd set out to achieve and you had achieved despite some of the setbacks that you had? How did you feel? Well, I, I felt fantastic. And you, and you know, when I wrote that list, it was actually 12 years from writing that list to standing at my 40th birthday and sharing it. And when I wrote it, wrote those things down, I, I was partly sort of sniggering at myself thinking, I'm never going to do this. You know, that's just, that's just uh, beyond me and, and who I am. And, but I allowed myself free reign, uh, to, to write these things down and, and just kind of think of a future and what it would be like when I was 40, how I would love it to be like. Uh, and, you know, I achieved my aspirations at, at 40. And, but you know, I would never have actually done that if I hadn't sat down and wrote that list and, and not ridiculed my, you know, not ridiculed myself, uh, completely but I'd allowed myself free reign to write them down and then the more I thought about them the, the closer it was to them happening I started taking steps towards them happening um, it's a very powerful process but also psychologically too uh, subconsciously as well as consciously by writing stuff down and certainly if you write down a problem or an issue 
you're going to be able to think more logically. It's going to have a greater effect than actually talking it through because when you talk things through, no matter how logical you are as a person, you're not going to be as logical when you write it down because you has to, you takes time to physically write stuff down or type it onto your computer screen or tablet or whatever. And therefore it can, it, you've got a record there and it will have a greater, um, more uh, resonant impact on, on your subconscious and conscious mind. Um, and, and you know what? You know, people listening to this were thinking, well, you know, I, I, I don't know, I'm, maybe I've, I've done this and done that. I've, I've started that business out of nothing, but you know, I, haven't made millions. I've made maybe hundreds of thousands. And you think, well, that's a great achievement. And you know, the irony is there'll be people, the vast majority of people don't have the spirit that a lot of entrepreneurs and business people have, uh, or the healthy ambition they have to do something. They have the, they don't have a real purpose, or at least not a purpose they acknowledge or do anything about. And yet they meet some of the people who will be listening, many of the people, if not all the people who would listen to this show and be so impressed by them. Think, wow. And never forget, therefore, the effect that you have on other people. And you may not always realize it. Um, I was at a, uh, an art exhibition, big exhibition at Christie's last night, the auctioneers in, in the central part of London. And this Russian woman came up to me and she said, you're Sean Brickell. I went, well, if you say so. And um, very exotic, striking woman. She said, I listened to you six years ago and I've never forgotten. What a pleasure to see you again. And she quoted bits of what I said, you know, and it's... <laughs> And you, you know, you made me feel so good about it. I don't say it's a boast, but I thought, my God, you know, and I, I remember she looks a very confident, capable woman. She's a very successful businesswoman. And yet she was feeling human, wasn't feeling good at the time. It was something I said. She liked my jokes as well. Um, which was good, or two of them. And, um, and she remembers that. And uh, that came out of the blue. And therefore, sometimes we forget the effect we have on people and we often doubt that. And we mustn't forget that, lose sight of that. Uh, absolutely, and it's uh, it's amazing, isn't it? You, I, I remember as a as a young in my twenties, having very very little confidence whatsoever, and going on a particular course, which had a huge impact on me actually. And and I met some. I was sitting next to somebody on on the course, and uh, it turned out that he was a tennis player. Uh, um, we it was a to- coach something around tennis, and, and had some involvement with tennis. And we actually went out and had a pizza together, and. I asked him about his tennis career, and it turned out that he was actually an exceedingly well-known tennis player, um, absolutely top of his game. I hadn't realised. Uh, and I gave him a little bit of advice on something, and he took action on it that night. And the following day, he came back, gave me a huge hug, and said he'd had a, an hour and a half on the phone to somebody else who was also very famous, and he'd sorted out the issues between them. And for me, for, for someone with no real confidence at the time, what it made me realise was that even I could make a big difference uh, so I kind of took that attitude on, really. Uh, I realised I could have a big impact on somebody I saw as being very significant. So, you know, whoever you are and whatever stage you're at, um, don't underestimate the potential you have to add value to other people, I would say. On, on a daily basis. And it, it might be just one thing that you say. And um, and a lot of people need want to be guided. We all need, no matter how strong or determined you are, we're all human. We all have our bad days. Even Roger Federer, who's won more Grand Slams than anybody, and maybe anybody ever will, he has bad days where he's beaten, even by a British player. Um, you know, so, uh, and yeah, it doesn't stop him. But no matter how good you are, you will have bad days. It is, you know, somebody will have a good day at the expense of your bad day. But that will change. And often, it's sometimes even making the most simple step even the most, even the smallest little move or gesture or saying the smallest thing can have the most wonderfully 
significant effect on not just your life, but on somebody else's as well. And that in itself is very rewarding. And you know what? You never know who that person might be and what effect they might have. And you could say one thing to somebody, Chris, and they, they go away and then it could be a few years later. And this happened to me. Um, I was talking to some guy, it was at two and we worked in the same sort of office space. Uh, this is almost, uh, was it three, three and a half years ago? And he's into fishing. I'm not, but we both love Italian food. And we talked about stuff and he had one or two challenges. And I just talked to him on a few occasions. I saw him. Then he moved on, didn't see him again. And you know, there's the, the odd email. Two and a half years later, he calls me up and he says, Sean, I'm now working. I remember our chats really well. So I'm now working for a multinational company that's got a very high, file, high profile project to go for. I think you could be just the man to help us win 400 million pounds worth of business. And that was just from a few conversations, short conversations. You just never know the effect you can have on somebody. And they became a client as a result. So you never know. And, and also, it doesn't matter if you're talking to somebody with a, a big job, or whether you're talking to somebody who works in a, in a reception or um, people know people, don't they? They do. So uh, it's amazing where things can come from. So and let's, let's just look at um, a, a actually, I'm just quite interested just very, very quickly. I mean, you know, you clearly doing things like tabloid journalism, you need a lot of confidence for that. But I think where you were you were talking, I would see that you know, the kind of advice that you've given to people since being a bit more worthy in my, my own perspective than maybe digging the dirt up on people. I mean, what's your thoughts? Did that work uh, in, impact your view about, uh, you, you know, your own personal values? Because confidence can be used for positive or negative means, can't it? Oh, that's a good question. Um, alarmingly good. Uh, I'm just going to leave the country and live under his assumed hairstyle. Now you've asked that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it'll need to be a damn good hairstyle. Um, it was interesting. When I was, I was very single-minded and ambitious. At age 14, I was going to be a network TV newsreader, network TV news correspondent, and national newspaper reporter. And it was not a matter of if, it was a matter of when. And I achieved all that um, at a very young age without drinking or even sleeping with the right people. Because um, I'm teetotal and obviously shy with the lights on or off. So um, I was very single-minded. And obviously, if you're working with the tabloids, you will be in certain situations where you're uh, reporting on, shall we say, some more colourful aspects of everyday life, uh, which invariably means delving into people's um, personal lives. And it's um, it's a tough one. Some of my colleagues were some of the, I mean, some of the sharp-witted, some of the most able people you could ever meet, but by the same token, some of the most despicable individuals you could ever hope not, you know, who would not only sell their own grandmother, but then steal her back and then sell her way above the going rate for grannies. I mean... <laughs> They were really quite ruthless, and I had to compete against them, but I did have a moral code, and you can be single-minded. And I have certain situations, particularly in situations where somebody has died, certainly a kid, and you go and track down the family. And I remember there's one occasion when we had the horrendous gales and storms in October 1987, where various people died, and they infamously, the, the weather forecaster, Michael Fisher, don't worry, a woman's called in, so there's going to be some hurricanes coming our way. Uh, it's, it's not the case. Ha, 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 ha. People died within days. And one kid who went to, I remember, I, he, he was 14, and he got the early train to go to his school. He normally got a later train, but the first time in his life, he got the early train to go to his school to impress his school teachers. The bridge, the railway bridge, the train went over, collapsed under the weight of floodwaters, and it, it plunged into the river, and he and three other people in the carriage died. It was a terrible story, and I'll never forget the carriage sticking out of the water, you know, and the bodies in it and everything else. It was so sad. 
And the reason I found out that story was because I tracked down his sister. His parents were out the country. His sister was about my age. I was about 19 or 20, young Fleet Street National Newspaper journalist. And I pretended to be one of the teachers at um, her school. So I found out just by talking to people that she was a teacher. And nobody else tracked her down, and I did. Just got one minute to commercial break, by the way. And thank you. And, and when I tracked her down and she came out, her grandparents, she was staying at her grandparents' house. She had to keep on turning off the TV and the radio because it was all over the news because they would have probably died with the shock. And then I told her who I was and she just burst into tears and, and, and I put out my arms instinctively and she just hugged me and literally sobbed on my shoulder for five, ten minutes. And I said, look, I'm not going to tell anybody I found you. Um, and I won't tell anybody where you are. I'll pretend I never found you. She's going to do and gave me the story, and I want you to write about him. And that was a really salient lesson for me. We became friends afterwards. And and so, therefore, I learned a lot from that, about having your values, having morality, and and sometimes ambition can undermine that unhelpfully for you and for others. Well, well we're going to go to commercial break, but after the, after the break, we're going to do a, a quick-fire session where I'm going to ask you about a few scenarios and, and speak mm-hmm. about your top tips for uh, building confidence in those situations. So we'll look at quickly uh, job interview, uh, things like presentation skills, and maybe even um, going asking for a pay rise. So we'll look after those after the commercial break. Do join us. We'll be back in comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Is your business model robust enough? In today's ever-changing business environment, people are working to transform themselves, their futures, and their business. Tune in to Business Reinvention with your host, Nancy Lynn. To stay ahead of the game in business, you have to constantly reinvent yourself and your organization. With Nancy's experience and that of her guest experts, you'll learn from stories of inspiration, innovation, and forward thinking. Listen for Business Reinvention, live every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Business Channel. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper of bemoreachievemore.com. And uh, Sean, I'm going to do a quick fire round here if we can. All right. I'm interested to know, uh, what are your top tips for trying to win a pitch for new work or be successful at a job interview? Okay, try and pitch for for new work. Um, Obviously, preparation. And a lot of my clients, do you know what they don't do? Is rehearse. Well, first of all, they've got to sort out the key messages. 
And I have this thing, what I call the C factor of communication. It's the core of communication. Whenever you speak or present or communicate in any way, shape or form, personally, professionally, emotionally, or even in more fruity circumstances, you've got to speak with color. A lot of business communication is colorless. Make it colorful, great stories, vibrant words, powerful words. Speak with conviction. Speak as if you really mean it. Be in the room. Don't be half-hearted. Don't be passive. Be proactive. Be powerful. Be persuasive. Be charming. Be engaging. Be charismatic. Speak like you really mean it. it there are too many people who are too passive and therefore too dull and who don't have the persuasive impact they need to. Clarity. Be really clear. You know, don't the rule of three, don't quote more than three points. Try and make more than three points in a picture presentation unless it's a very long one. And you may sometimes just have one. Speak with coherence. The way you use your voice is so important. Most English people only have about four notes in their speaking range, uh, which is a little dull. I don't mean to say you need to go up and down like this and then down again because people think you're a bit of a muppet. And quite frankly, that's right. So the way you use your voice, the enunciation, the pitch, volume and variety, the three different types of people in your audience, the fast and loud, the normal and the soft and slow. They all like the volume and the pace and the tone at different levels. So how you appeal to that. Um, conciseness, enough said. Finally, comedy. Now I put comedy in brackets. A bit of levity and lightheartedness can make a huge difference and make a huge, huge difference in terms of the effect it has on people. And often the, uh, your employers will prefer somebody and clients will like somebody who can make them smile, make them laugh. I'll tell you another great tip. And it's to do with your audience. When your audience is sitting there, whether you're asking for a pay rise, whether you're making a keynote speech or doing a pitch to prospects or trying to get clients to buy into another package or plan that you have, they may be sitting there, maybe with their arms folded, looking impassive, even indignant or even slightly switched off. They won't be unless you are colorless, you don't speak with conviction, etc., etc. So... They may be looking at you like that, but inside they may be going, God, this is really amazing. This guy, this woman is really inspiring. They may be very attractive. They're funny. They're engaging. I wish I could present like that. And they're not necessarily going to show those emotions facially. If I have somebody who sort of, uh, who facially is very varied and, and looks a bit concerned and laughs their head off and looks even a bit manically enthralled with what I'm saying, I call security. <laughs> um, so be aware of your audience. Don't be aware of them, but don't be overawed by them. And do you know what? Finally, I'd say in terms of making a picture presentation, you know, I don't care. People may, th there's a risk that people may not like you, may not buy into what you're going to say or are saying or both. There's always a risk of that. And you know, what? I don't care. What I do care is when I speak, when I engage with anybody, certainly professional situation, and that's what we're talking about principally here is that they get value out of it. And if they leave their feeling more confident, more able to communicate, or that what I'm offering them is will be great uh, psychological and profitable value to them in the medium to long to even the short term, then fantastic, it's job done. Even if they don't like my hairstyle, I don't care. It's how I make them feel so they can achieve, I can help them achieve what they need to. I think you make a really interesting point because I've found when, when I've spoken uh, that quite, you know, quite often there is somebody in the room who is looking, you know, maybe a bit frosty, maybe got their arms um, folded, but they're actually, what I've realised is that quite often they're the ones who come to see you after you've spoken or write you a glowing uh, kind of reference afterwards. And it's because what you've done is you've churned up some things and they're, they're thinking about it inside and, and working it through. 
So it, quite often, you don't, we often don't need to necessarily worry about those people so much. We've got only got another, um, I think we've not got very long left in terms of going to, uh, uh, the next section now, but just maybe quickly, what, what would you do in the situation of a job interview? Any top tips? Yeah, um, polish your shoes, well scrubbed, well groomed, very important. Walk tall, smile. People think, how can we carry It's very simple, smile, but smile with your heart and not just your mind. So your eyes smile as well as your mouth. Make the other person feel as if you like them, but not an obsequious, creepy, you know, you, you should get me section type of way. And I think a lot of people feel a bit hesitant and nervous. Yes, you can understand that. But see it from the person who's interviewing you. Who would you rather work with? Now, you can, the nervous person who, like Hugh Grant in the film, Ford is the funeral, when he races up along the south back to tell uh, the woman, he, you know, he loves, he loves her. And he goes, um, I, I think I love you. Um, sorry to disturb. No, stupid idea. All very British and apologetic. Don't be like that because, you know, why would that be inviting? You can see on her face she's not impressed. And there are people like that in job interviews. And you can tell by their body language, by the vibe they give off. Because what you think is what you give out physically, because the mind and body are connected through the cybernetic loop. But also see it from their point of view. Make them feel, <clears throat> excuse me, Simon Cowell, the great pop impresario behind X Factor and other things, his father told him when he was a boy, he said, whenever you meet somebody, certainly somebody you want to impress or you want to engage with, imagine above their head they have writ large and big neon letters a sign saying, make me feel important. What most mistake nine people out of ten, I reckon, do, and it's certainly in a job interview, is they think how do well they they see it from their point of view. They think, oh god, how do I look? Is my hair okay? Or in my case, was my hair okay? Uh, does it must like me? Am I making sense? What that says the people who are interviewing is that I think, at least subconsciously, is that I think the person my interviewee is actually a bit wrapped up in themselves. Whereas the clever one out of ten will go right. I know how to walk and how to talk and how to express myself. I know what I've got to say because I prepared. I've rehearsed. My shoes are clean, my hair is straight, clean the teeth, uh, no broccoli anywhere unusual. I've made, I've smiled the other person, made them feel good. What's their pleasure? What's their pain? What do they want to get out of this? How do I make them feel good about themselves? And how do I make them, make them feel good about me? Because I tell you what, in these unreassuring times, Chris, it's even more important for people to be reassuring. And people will only be reassured if you are reassuring. And you will only be reassuring as a person who wants to get that job, who wants to have that impact in whatever environment, if you are reassured by yourself, who you are and what you have to offer. Wow. So uh, I know you've been held at gunpoint. Mm -hmm. What do you do when you're being threatened? And I think we've probably got about a couple of minutes maximum for this. Oh, God. Well, it does depend on the scenario. I mean, there's some scenarios where there's not much you can do about it. Um, when I was held at gunpoint during the war in the Yugoslavia, the former Yugoslavia, by a Massive, well, he's not quite as tall as me, but he was built like a barn, uh, like a sort of barn door, really. And he had a massive round, a huge head, the world's most unfeasibly large head and crew cut. <laughs> and he wrote, and he basically, he thought I was smuggling arms. And I pointed out, I said, look, the most dangerous thing I have in my possession is a Jeffrey Archer novel. That's far <laughs> more dangerous. And, um, <laughs> what is Jeffrey Archer novel? This sounds very suspect. I said, you have no idea. I mean, you have no idea. Not Kalashnikov, you take arms, we suspect you, come here, and you know, and he was sort of, <laughs> anyway, so I put my hands up, and I, and I sort of half smiled, and, and you don't want to look weak and passive and pathetic, but by the same token, I didn't feel I should challenge him and try and out alpha male him, because he was armed with Kalashnikov, which he was more than happy to use, um, as he probably had on many people, so, um, and I tried to win him over, and I sort of smiled, and I said, at least have a look, and I appeared to be very helpful, um, and somehow got him onto the subject of football. I don't like football. I'm a rugby man. But if you're held at gunpoint, you'll try anything. 
And um, I try to learn the Serbo crap for the phrase Red Star Belgrade, a well wicked football team. I can't remember it anymore. <laughs> and anyway, we got talking, and he likes English football. And um, you know, I offered to show him my 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 rucksack and cases and bits and all the rest of it. And um, you know, in the end, he was fine. I was held at gunpoint, obviously, in, in Poland a few times, um, and uh, that wasn't didn't go quite so well. Um, but there corrupt policemen um, who were trying to um, take money off me because I hadn't bought a ticket for my rucksack um, at the time, mm. which is a bit dodgy. And um, uh, and they actually got quite violent. And I ended up in a punch-up with them in the prison cell um, until somebody else came in waving a gun to break us up. And that wasn't quite so good. But I felt at close quarters I stood a better chance. But the Serbian guy was a different matter. And I thought, what's going on? The principal thing is, I thought, what's going on with him? What sort of man is he? What does my instinct tell me about what sort of person he is? How will I react? What will win him? What will win him over about me? Okay, so we've got to leave it there. Oh, wait, we're, the show is at an end. But Sean, it's been absolutely fascinating talking to you and, and hearing all about your thoughts about confidence and, uh, some of your stories have been absolutely fascinating. Certainly the, the swingers one was pretty hard on me. <laughs> yeah. And earlier, by the way, Chris, you said my swingers audio. I had to out it wasn't mine. <laughs> what I turned up to just in case my mother's listening. Well, it was to an X rated show that we've, uh, we've, we've had so far. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but re- really good to have you on the show. And, and if you want to, f- hopefully you've enjoyed it. Um, if you want to find out more about Sean Brickell, go to www.seanbrickell.com. That's uh, Sean, S-E-A-N-B-R-I-C-K-E-L-L. Um, and if you have any questions or, or feedback or, or even complaints after that Swingers Orgy Group story, then... <laughs> Why they weren't invited, you mean? Yeah. You can send the complaints to, to Sean. <laughs> <laughs> or the or Eureka Club in Falkham in Kansas. <laughs> Um, at uh, chris at bemoreachievemore.com or I'll leave any comments on my Facebook page at facebook.com slash bemoreachievemore um, next week I'm delighted that we'll be talking to Jonathan Fahl of uh, Rockstar and uh, what Jonathan does is he helps uh, businesses get into shape so that and they would be intra- very attractive uh, to investors to invest in them so we'll be learning all about uh, you know top tips to kind of deal with dragon's den type situations um but uh, the way to do it and, and what he um can do is uh, move people from a sort of 99% failure rate to he has a 75% success rate so that'll be really fascinating to understand the key components of how that works so Sean again thank you very much Chris a pleasure I've really enjoyed it thank you good to have you and I'll speak to you again all again next week We thank you for listening to Be More, Achieve More. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Enjoy your week.